Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, are police in Melbourne trying to censor the media? Is NBC Peacock looking for an Aussie dance partner? And why the appointment of Ten's new news boss has gone down like a lead balloon. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it's a big hello to the TV Black Box listeners and the TV Black Box team. In the house tonight is Sarah Monaghan. Hello, good evening, good night, good morning, Sarah. Yes, it's 5am here. It's very early. I expect you to act the part like it's uh, prime (laughs) time where you are and I want you to get excited. Hello, Aaron Ryan in Perth. Yeah, hello, gorgeous people. and can't believe we're approaching the final quarter of the year already. Oh, indeed. And Mulk is in lockdown Sydney. Hello, Mulky. Hey, where's Robbo? Robbo is... As soon as we announced him as a regular, he decided he wasn't coming again. <laughs> He's well, you'll have to take him out of the newsletter then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Last week he was out for a night with Abby that was already pre-planned, our producer Abby, and tonight he's actually sick. And I can vouch for that. I went and saw him to make sure because <laughs> I don't trust anyone. Uh, <laughs> Hey, there's a lot to talk about. Let's get into the news items of the week. Because a ban on media choppers flying above Melbourne CBD has been overturned by the federal court after many networks argued against the decision. The temporary restrictions were imposed last week by the Civil Aviation Safety Authority to stop the live streaming of the protests in the city. And that was at the request of Melbourne Police. I've got to say, Sarah, censoring the media is not a path I want to head down. I don't like this at all. I am glad it has been overturned. Yeah, when I saw that they were doing that, I thought we were going full Middle East or uh, mm-hmm. some weird Southeast Asian country where, like, people don't have rights and we're shooting people with rubber bullets in the city and doing all kinds of weird stuff and people start getting disappeared like they're in Chile in the 1970s. Wow. so conspiracy um, theories, Batman. <laughs> as soon as you start not letting the media report on what you're doing, you are going down uh, a terrible path. They weren't not letting the media report. Yes, they were. They were They were constricting the way the media do report, and that is censorship. Oh, no, now, that's a very different thing. The way they do it and letting them do it are two very different things. I'll well, take that If you don't let point. them get in footage, but yeah. Um, but it, it, it was still, it still, it starts a slippery slope because they start with that, like mm. you can't have helicopters, and then what do they do next? So I'm glad that they've backtracked on that. 
Well, they haven't backtracked. The court overturned them, thankfully, is what I would say to that. Uh, Mulk, I have very, I'm very concerned at the idea the police would um, dictate that live streaming and live reporting is not allowed. Uh, the simple fact is I understand where they're coming from in not wanting to egg other protesters and letting protesters see where the protests are happening and where the police are, and and I, I, I do get it on that front. But at the end of the day, that is the police job to deal with the protesters and it is the media's job to report. The police don't get to decide what the media can and can't do uh, outside the jurisdiction of the law. Well, that that was indeed part of the problem, wasn't it? Mm. Is that they wanted to extend the law so that uh, the <laughs> the single news chopper that is used as a pool helicopter for the news services in Melbourne couldn't report on that stuff immediately. That it, it had to be. They were saying that they could film it, but they didn't want it broadcast for an hour. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't, uh, wasn't news. St- it was olds. It, it wasn't. It wasn't stopping them from having um, journalists and camera people in the city and reporting that stuff live. That wasn't what the issue was. It was only about the helicopter. And as while they may have lost the case, ultimately the Victorian police got what they needed at the time, and that was a helicopter ban from the city so that they could deal with and address uh, the moving pack that was the protests for a couple of days. All right, with NBC Universal's contract expiring with Stan in less than a year, discussions are underway on bringing their streaming service, Peacock, into the Australian market. According to the Sydney Morning Herald, Seven West Media, Foxtel and Nine Entertainment are in talks about partnering up with the US media giant, Aaron. (laughs) What do you think about this? Another streaming service. Just what we need. Well, I guess there's two sides to this. Um, Seven take a deal and enter the streaming market or nine or ten or Foxtel take a deal which will increase their content and it will ensure that there isn't actually another streamer to compete with um, in Australia. For me, it would depend on um, if the streamer got full exclusive rights to shows. Um, for example, the office is on uh, Peacock in America, but it's on 10 Peach here. So sometimes there's different rights between BVOD streaming, sure. uh, and all that sort of stuff. So if they can get exclusive rights to a lot of stuff, maybe. Um, Stan has a good mix of international content and sport plus some some good local shows, so it makes that venture worthwhile. But Seven and Peacock, I, I don't see a huge amount to get excited about here. Um, and I don't really? think Seven... Yeah, I don't think Seven should just take it just so they can get into the streamer business. They would have to think about it very carefully. Uh, If I was Seven, I would be jumping on the opportunity presenting itself. One, you hurt Nine because uh, you take away content from Stan and Stan will find other content. But still, Seven are not in the streaming business. So Nine have been smart with the evolution of getting into the streaming business with Stan and it is delivering. This is Seven's opportunity to get into the market with content. So a combination of Seven's content and the content from NBC Universal. I mean, imagine if they could have had the content of Snoop Dogg doing the Olympics commentary. You know, the the bits of video I saw of Snoop Dogg hosting his video show akin to Roy and HG back in the day was hilarious. And just having all that kind of content would be a great launching pad for Seven, which I think it would be great for that network to diversify into another digital platform. Mark, what do you think? Uh, the only challenge around the Snoop Dogg stuff is because it's Olympics content, no one else could have had it. Um, that would have been Olympic broadcast rights stuff. Yep. Uh, I, th- I think that the challenge that is being faced here is that 
Peacock has a reasonable library. It can't, it couldn't stand alone here uh, in Australia. God, we don't need another one. Please shoot me in the face. <laughs> Um, hmm. Foxtel and Nine would only be circling to try and extend their libraries. That's the only reason they'd be wanting to get it. Yeah, but would they be um, willing to rebrand um, and go with the Peacock brand? What's in, the, no. the, the key here is what is NBC's goal? Do they want to extend the Peacock brand internationally? And so would any deal be conditional upon the idea of having Peacock here? That hurts Stan, that hurts Foxtel. Seven really is the only one that could go with that kind of thinking because they could do Seven Peacock or even just launch it as Peacock. The only clear play is for Seven West Media to partner with NBC uh, and to to land this as a uh, launching Seven into the streaming space. They yeah. desperately need this kind of platform in their suite. I agree. Um, and, and they have the capacity with a partner like NBC Universal to land it pretty well, definitely mm. better than Paramount Plus, um, which is a, a bit of a you know, average library that we're seeing in Australia because of multiple, multiple rights deals and all sorts of things all over the place. Um, but Stan is well-established and has got some cred and runs on the board and those sorts of things. So they'd have to do some work to get it in there. But it's it's this is sevens to lose, honestly, if they mm. wanted to take it up. I have Peacock. I actually have it on the boat. It's one of the few streaming services that I have um, because we don't have free air television on the boat. Um, so we only use the app services. So we have like Netflix, we have Hulu and we have mm. Peacock. And is Peacock it is, a, it is really, really good because I can watch actual local, like it, it actually shows a lot of the major cities, local news. Um, and oh. then it shows regular stuff, but it's got the thing where you can watch TV live or if I wanted to watch Below Deck, I can go through and look for Below Deck and it'll actually have all of the past episodes so I can actually binge watch an entire series on there. Um, so it's but, different to the, our streamers basically in the fact that you do have that live TV option. Yeah, so I can, like, half the time if I want to watch, it's Sky News UK, not Australia, but if I want to see regular news, like they have, uh, like, regular local news and then they'll have like sky news bbc uk um cnn fox they've got all of the the money market maker type news during the day um but it is very useful like it has every kind of channel and then you can actually go through and hit you know you're looking for news and it'll show you just news channels or you're looking for comedy and it'll show you just the comedy channels It, it is actually set up extremely well. Because the NBCU deals, it would be a library that was cut to pieces by what's already on Foxtel and elsewhere. Um, it does sound a little bit like a, a flash thing that Foxtel are now trying to roll out with all of these other news services available on it. I don't know if I'm interested in that. I don't. I need to know more about it. It doesn't seem like it's just going to be an aggregation service. So Kate DeBrito, who I really admire, uh, used to be the news editor at uh, news.com.au. She's been in the industry for years. She's been part of News Corp for many, many years. She knows her staff. Uh, I'm interested to see what she's going to do with that service, Mark, but obviously time will tell. Mm. But they're saying it's more than an aggregator. You will get other things as part of it, that's going to be this. That's going to be what sells it. Well, that's where you'll see old mate English guy, won't you, Piers? Well, you'll get him on Sky News. 
Yeah, yeah, but he'll also be, there'll be a whole bunch of X. That whole stuff they're launching in the UK is going to run on to Flash, no question. Ah. All right, Channel 10 has announced some new appointments within its news division. Martin White has been appointed as head of broadcast news and Rochelle Habib becomes head of digital news and strategy. The appointments come after previous news boss Ross Dagan jetted off to CBS to cut millions out of the CBS news budget. (laughs) Interestingly, sources tell TV Black Box many have been left scratching their heads over the appointment of White when more qualified people were within the network. And we also hear his speech to staff went down like a lead balloon when he was asked during a, an address to staff what his vision for 10 News First is. His answer, we need to do better. That was seen as a slap in the face to everyone who has worked their butts off with reduced budgets to continue delivering multiple bulletins. And our sources also pointed out, well, he was the executive producer of 10 News First. So isn't he responsible for the job needing to be done better? Oh, Sarah, it's not the best way to motivate the troops, is it, With when you say stuff like that? Maybe he was acknowledging that he didn't do the best job and now he's got a whole new team and he would like to do better. Maybe he was. Maybe, maybe it was the royal we and he meant me. These are not the droids you're looking for, Sarah. <laughs> I try and give people the benefit of the doubt. Look, it's interesting, and this is one of the toughest positions in television, Aaron, because it is often seen as the joke network when it comes to news. But I would argue the people there work harder than any other news team because they have to do a lot more with a lot less. The budget has been pulled out of that news division time and time again. Then the bulletin got extended to an hour and a half. And now the people in Sydney are doing multiple bulletins into Queensland and Perth and Melbourne's doing it into Melbourne and Adelaide. The people there work their asses off. I can understand why that was a slap in the face. Well, they definitely do work their asses off. It's a, it's a shame that you see the the 6 p.m. portion of the show getting 250,000 viewers, obviously up against seven and nine with around a million. Um you know, the news division, it's, it just seems to be going down. Viewers are, are, you know, rusted on seven and nine. So it's just going to be a very hard job for this, um, for these two uh, moving forward. And, and the question is, does it ultimately become a national bulletin? Uh, that rumour keeps floating around. Uh, I'm hearing we will see many changes at 10 next year, including um, some changes happening on some shows that are currently existing and maybe getting casting and name changes. Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's turn our attention to the ratings race for Week 40, and with an AFL Grand Final, Seven was always going to claim the week. The only question was, by how much? Well, the Reds had a network share of 35.8 last week, followed by the Blues on 27.1. 10 was in third with 15.9. The national broadcaster had 14.2. And SBS had a 7% share. In primary channels, the ABC beat 10. Now, this shows just how weak the main channel has become. And you can see that because 10 bold and 7-2 actually tied the multi-channels for top spot. Aaron, what were the standouts for you last week? Um, I think the big talking points out of last week was the absolute massive audience for the AFL Grand Final, Mammoth. On the other uh, other end of the spectrum, the disaster that is making it, Australia on Channel 10. As I predicted. Yes, you did. And, and we've got another dog just around the corner with, uh, what's that dog one called, Aaron? The Dog, dog House, House Australia. Australia. Yeah. I mean, 
seriously, uh, t- seriously, Ten Bold's soon going to be outperforming the main channel. I tell you. Not now that they've turned it into HD and half of regional Australia can't get it. I think the other big point, though, is um, how competitive is getting now between seven and nine, getting into this last quarter, um, mm. you know, with the block SAS, so, um, and no AFL and NRL, so things might start changing up a little. Last week, Rob, you read out that seven won the previous week primary and nine won the uh, one as a network by 0.2, but in consolidated figures, seven's taken that back because um, nine mm-hmm. reduced their share and seven increased. Um, the only other thing I probably can give you is the year-to-date figures. might be interesting now that uh, some of these big events are, are over so in the we've still got one to go oh yeah the nrl grand finals on sunday that's gonna be massive for nine it is gonna be huge um so week to date uh sorry year to date figures as a network uh sevens in front total people 39.4 to 37.1 25 to 54 nines in front 36.9 to seven on uh, 35.3 uh in 16 to 39, sevens in front by a little bit, and in under 50s, nines in front by a little bit. And on the primary channels, uh, seven is in front, primary channels, 27.4 to 26.7, but nine is in front, 25 to 54, 16 to 39, and under 50s uh, on the primary channel. Bloody hell, it's tight, and I love this. I love this. You know, especially when Seven had a very soft start to the year in the first quarter, they have come back so strong. Nine has had a pretty even um, kill. Obviously, they start strong with Merritt at first sight, but they've had good, consistent programming. But what it does show, and this is the importance here of their early evening lineup, those new services deliver in spades for seven and nine. They are the unsung heroes of both of those networks because sometimes they're the only shows delivering over a million. They're always taking the top four spots because of the split coding at 6 to 6.30 and then 6.30 to 7. And these shows deliver time and time again. Now, even when a network like Seven had the bad start, they were still doing well because of the strength of Seven News. Nine does well with its primetime programming and the strength of Nine News. The news services really do deserve a bit of a pat on the back. I have some questions just because it is so tight, right? We want to make sure that we're across everything. Those figures, they're commercial shares, aren't they, Aaron? They're not um, all five free-to-air networks? Yeah, that's correct. They're commercial shares. Okay, so that that's something that we'll need to be aware of, the commercial shares. Which is all we get to... to disclose that that's what we get mulk so that's what's supplied by the commercial network yeah and, <laughs> and, and, and there's validity in that too because yeah they're dealing with the commercial. Yeah. well hang on they're, they're dealing with um the commercialization and the ratings you know and, and the and the piece of the pie when it comes to selling commercial content now having oh. said that i would absolutely prefer to have all five networks no doubt but both are an interesting tale Oh, and I think to hear both are, are really helpful to mm. us. You know, to be able to say, that's what I'm saying, because it's so close, to know what's happening in, you know, the standard five network share, including ABC and SBS, versus the commercial network share is going to be really key to the play because it might even come down to one network claiming the win one way versus the other. Yeah. Um, based on how that rolls out. Because we can't, we honestly, we can't ignore the ABC and SBS. Yeah. They, even though SBS is a, is a minuscule share every night, the ABC is more often than not batting in third. 
And that's a really important thing to take into account. I think at the end of the day, the figures will come out the same. Like total people will probably, uh, well, will be seven, uh, probably on, on network and primary. Nine should definitely win 25 to 54 on both. 16 to 39 will come down to a knife edge and under 50s will probably be nine. I don't think that will change too much if you, if you include the ABC and SBS in the shares. I think that's probably the way it will fall out. And because it's an Olympic year, did those shares include the Olympics? No, they didn't include the I cool. There was a debate about that. So, I, you know, um, I made sure we got the figures without the two weeks of the Olympics. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Saturday night was massive for seven. They fully deserved it. And in fact, all that does, given the, the huge numbers that they drew, is only fan the flames that the AFL and seven are going to continue to push for a twilight or a nighttime grand final, despite what all of the incredible, you know, uh, AFL fans would think that is the best. Well, you want bang for your buck when you're paying big money. Yeah, but this mate, the fight for tradition. All right. The time has come to cast your vote in the boxies, the 2021 TV black box awards. The nominations are in, and this is your chance to recognize and reward your favorite TV shows and stars. We gave all Australian networks and streaming services the opportunity to put forward their nominations, and Channel 7, 9, Foxtel, Amazon Prime, and Optus all got on board, in addition to the team at Media Spy and subscribers to the TV Black Box newsletter. They all contributed along with us, so the nominations are there. Just go to tvblackbox.com.au to cast your vote. Scroll halfway down the page and you will see the nomination story. Aaron, have you cast your vote? Who would you like to see win? Oh, absolutely. I've cast my vote. Um, by the way, great initiative. Um, well done to the team. The Logie Awards, uh, won't, when they come back, they won't cover three years when they return. And yeah. even if they do widen the eligibility, who's going to vote for hugely for a show that was aired three years ago? So at least someone's stepping in and, and acknowledging some of these shows. So, And, and I really want to uh, thank you for mentioning that because I really want to make the point that We are not having a go at the Logies any way, shape or form. We are literally stepping up to fill the void because they're not there. And I genuinely believe that the industry needs to be acknowledged. And I think we can contribute to that. We are going to have a live stream event on November 28 when the Logies were meant to be held. We will release the results live. I hope you all watch it. We're putting a lot of effort and resources into this live stream event. It's going to look a million dollars, but we're not in any way, shape or form having a go at the Logies. You all know how much I love the Logies. I just wanted to throw that in, Aaron. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I've done all my voting. Um, I'm not going to let you know all of my votes, but I, <laughs> but I will say that um, I definitely threw one in the comedy section for Rosehaven. Um, it is, it's now all over, and I love uh, Luke McGregor and Celia Pacuola, and I love that show, so I definitely gave them a um, thumbs up for that category. Excellent. Sarah, have you cast your vote? No, but I want to know, do we get to dress up for this live stream? Yes, absolutely. We have to be in, like, our, you know, our nice frocks and everything? Absolutely. Excellent. You'll be I'll presenting be an award. I haven't told you yet, but um, the whole team will be presenting an award. Plus, we'll have special guests, celebrity guests presenting awards. And uh, there's just a lot to be done before I reveal all that and uh, get a lot of things in place. But uh, I like it better than the Logies already. I actually get to turn up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we'll send a bag of cocaine to everybody's place so that oh, you can have <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Voting closes on the 15th of October and the top five nominees in each category will be announced with voting open again to determine the final winners. Please head to tvblackbox.com.au to cast your vote. Support these awards, especially if you work in the industry. We want to recognise you. This is coming from a very good place. But now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. In a landmark deal expiring in 2027, Seven West Media has partnered with Racing Victoria, Racing New South Wales, Racing Queensland and Racing South Australia, becoming the home of all major horse racing events. The ABC is under fire for airing a mini-series investigating the 1975 disappearance of Sydney activist Juanita Nielsen. The series has now been removed after claims it contained information from a lawyer with minimal involvement in the case that had previously been refuted by police. Channel 7 have confirmed that Hey Hey It's 50 Years, the anniversary special celebrating Hey Hey It's Saturday, will premiere on Sunday, October 10 at 7pm. The one-off special event will be hosted by Daryl Summers and see the return of some beloved characters from the show's history. Free-to-air multi-channel 10 Bold is now broadcasting in high definition in metro markets across Australia. However, as reported by Kevin Perry on TV Black Box, the format used in the upgrade is not compatible with some older televisions, forcing viewers to upgrade their TV if they wish to continue accessing 10 Bold programming. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, Seven's Big Boss says journos have got it wrong when it comes to ratings. And are you watching the biggest show in the world right now? We'll find out if the team are when we open the TV binge box. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now to our big issue, and Seven CEO James Warburton has described overnight Metro rating figures as misleading and antiquated, and has called on media journalists to cease reporting on the data. In an opinion piece for the AFR, Warburton had this to say about overnight ratings. They represent less than 70% of a TV program's true audience. When catch-up viewing in its various forms and live streaming are added, some programs add hundreds of thousands of new viewers. Not hundreds, but thousands of thousands. For years, self-appointed experts have proclaimed TV is dying. They are, of course, wrong, and in many cases, biased. TV isn't dying, it is changing. It is adapting to changes in how, where, and when People want to watch video content. Now, look, I agree with him on the death of TV, but let's put that to the side for the moment. We'll come to that later. Mulk, what is your take on the importance of overnight data? I am in both furious agreement and disagreement with Mr. Warburton because I agree that overnights don't tell the full story. Yep. And we've known that for some time, um, except that he's coming from a, an understandable protectionist viewpoint because he runs a network. He needs to make sure that everybody knows just how great things are going. Uh, and I would expect the same from Mike Sneesby and I'd expect the same from Bev McGarvey. 
right? We want to have the best story told. Um, the challenge is, and in part he addresses it in his opinion piece, is that the media have been uh, drip-fed on overnights. So we have to, you know, we're, that's all we report. It's what we're used to. And quite frankly, the transition from overnights to anything else that we would report, even seven days later, just feels like it's old, old news. Mm. Um, and that's that's a difficulty. So I think that the hybrid kind of situation we land in right now, where we're getting both the overnights and the total TV consolidated seven data, that includes regional figures, which the overnights we get do not, um, tell a bigger story for television. Um, the, the challenge is, and this is probably the... the it was a bit of an offhanded comment from him, frankly, in the in the piece he wrote, you know, that these critics that say that television is dying and that they've got agendas and all the rest of it, look, there are people that are claiming it and they do have agendas, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not that television is dying, but it's definitely on life support, and that's the real issue. Free-to-air television is in a difficult position and, and has to fight against that, and if the last bastion that it has is to say, but look, look, look at the numbers after seven days, great, like, let's talk about it. That's fine. Um, I mean, we just talked about bloody Peacock coming in, right? Any more streaming services that we get only continue to challenge, not other streaming services, because people have proven they will sign up for multiple of them. What it does is it challenges the place of free-to-air television in the home. Mm. I would say that I three-quarters agree with James Warburton. I mean, these total TV figures are important and should provide the major analysis uh, moving forward because, I mean, we know we've talked about this before, the newsreader, you know, 300, 400,000, we're all going, Ugh. but the total TV figures show that, you know, over a million people are actually watching that. So yeah. Australian drama is going really well. That should be the focus. But the reason I say three quarters is because overnights are a good start and a good reaction to shows that don't mm. consolidate well, such as live shows, news, sport, um, and it provides us with analysis of, of time slot winners, such as The Block, SAS and Mars Singer. Um, you know, Total TV doesn't usually change the time slot winners. It may if the, if the shows are really close. But, you know, if the block's getting 900 and, and SAS is getting 600, even in consolidated figures, the block's still going to win. I mean, that's not the major story. But seeing, you know, some of these shows, Brooklyn 99, 399,000%. Oh, sorry. 399% increase. Yeah. Um, I mean, people are still watching TV. So I think these total TV figures absolutely show that people are watching all of these shows and the overnights don't show that. But it is certainly a good starting point and it's, it's good reactionary for, for you know, for, for live stuff and, and the tentpole shows. Simple fact is, take away overnights, you take away the buzz of anything happening in the industry. It's like yesterday's news, it's become fish and chip wrappers, right? People aren't going to be writing about the fact that last week the block or the voice or whatever did this number. We care about what's happening now. Now, the difference with radio is that they are sporadic in their ratings, but the shows don't change, right? So it's always the same breakfast show, the same afternoon show. So that's why that is a story, who's moving where and moving what. But in television terms, we have a new show every week. So the idea of waiting a week to find out what happened with the numbers, it just doesn't cut the mustard for me. If you don't want to give me the overnight ratings, I've lost interest. I've lost well, interest. Well, here's the challenge, right? That we, we raised the example of the AFL grand final. If we had to wait 
seven days so that this coming Sunday we could find out how well mm. the AFL grand final rated. Mate, it, it so many people would not give two shits about it. It becomes a um, footnote. It's yeah. not a headline, it's a footnote. It's, it's a, that's right. Who's going to read a story on Sunday about how well the AFL performed mm-hmm. last week mm-hmm. had we not heard about it? Yeah. Like, the game aside, I mean, just the TV ratings. Mm. I, I need to to make sure that I nail my um, colours to the mast here. I absolutely want to see free-to-air television succeed. I absolutely want to see particularly Australian drama and Australian programming succeed on Australian TV because I think that hearing and seeing our voices and reflecting who we are is really vital and important. And that's part Mm. of the um, acknowledged conversation that we've had before around the streamers having quotas and and delivering Australian content into Australia and and all of that sort of stuff. Um, the, The challenge that... Warburton, McGarvey, Sneesby et al. face is that in in a world where there are so many other options, they have to put value on the screen. And it's great that a week later we're seeing, you know, SAS and the block go up 20-something percent each. Awesome. Like, cool. Um, what we can't measure it against, and this is the real challenge, is that we can't say, well, on stand at this time, at on Netflix at this time, on Amazon at this time, all of this stuff was being watched. You know, it, people criticise Foxtel for, you know, not having huge ratings and all of those sorts of things. It's somewhat fair. Their market penetration isn't as huge as free-to-air television because you've got to pay for it. I totally mm. get that. They also offer 11 billion channels for people to be able to, to flick through, and this is the streaming is problem. If you said, sure, but that's what I mean. If you brought in, well, let's compare it to Netflix or Stan, oh, but Stan only had, you know, eight. 0.8 of a percent of people watching it, as an example, and that's yeah. not um, that's a number I've made up. Um, there's eleven thousand things to choose from. You know, how do you do? You just pick the service, or what do you do? So there's there's challenges in all of that in how we kind of try and get a level playing field, and that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve here is is to get some measurement and understanding of what's going on. The the Oztam ratings uh, and in part the Regtam ratings, which get rolled into the total TV figure. But for Metro, the Oztam ratings are the sole source of truth. That is all we have. And all they give us is all we can report in as far as showing what we've got and how we can talk about it. Mm. Um, the total TV number helps and it absolutely reinforces that Australian drama has a much bigger second life in streaming and BVOD because it allows people to catch up and watch what they want because that's what they're doing anyway and we know that already. Yep. They're off watching other things after the big buzzy reality show is done. There may have to come one day, though, where we have to change our habits the way we report, though, because um, our site and every other site is the same. When they do the ratings reports each day, it's about 80% overnight and then a sort of a footnote or a 20% bit at the bottom about total TV. Maybe we'll get to a stage where the the entire media is doing 80% total TV and then doing a footnote about the overnights. Why? Uh, Only if they take away the overnights. Why would we do that? It's too important. People care about what happened last night, not what happened a week ago. Turn on the 6 o'clock news. They're not telling you what happened three, four, five days ago unless there's an adjunct to that story. Yeah, but you want to report the actual figures. And when you, overnight, when you're talking about, as I said, 300,000, 400,000 for the newsreader, that's not really the story. I mean, the story well, is... that's the actual figures for last night. That is the point of view of executives, not the point of view of the consumer. So... This is no, about no, no. I don't actually. I don't think that's true. Yes, it is. When it's you look about... at the overnight ratings as a, as a as a viewer, I sit there and go, "Oh, geez, I watched the newsreader last night, and nobody else did. Everyone else is watching, you know, the Which blog or SAS." 
But the thing is, a week later, you find out actually yes. in, in, in catch up that it, the rest yeah. of Australia was with me. They were watching that. But last and I think night, I, they didn't. You were right. Unlike you, last night they didn't. Yes, there's another story to tell. Absolutely. But yeah. when those viewers had to make a choice about what they were watching last live. night, live, they yeah. chose the block or they chose this, the voice. They did not choose the newsreader. And that is a story. This additionally is the challenge too, is that overnight they get the ads that were broadcast at the time. Yeah. If the total TV figures, as we've already acknowledged, are BVOD, which in some networks get a totally different suite of ad, singular, um, or if, they're, if they've recorded it and we acknowledge that Oztam's rules are that they have to watch the ads for it to count for them in the, the catch-up process, um, then they get those ads. But if they fuss, well, they don't get any ads. Um, but, yeah, but, so that, it, whole... but that's from an executive point of view then because we're talking about the ads and where's the money coming from like uh, you know is the advertiser the getting that tv mate i i know but we just want to know when we're talking about but the st- whole point of total tv is to change the narrative of what is television success and the Industry doesn't want the narrative that TV is dying. He, James Warburton, who sure. I admire greatly, by the way, I think he yes. is really, really good. Um, James Warburton acknowledged in his opinion piece that there is a narrative of TV is dying. The whole point of T- Total TV is about saying, well, when it comes to content, TV isn't dying because people are consuming yeah. our content everywhere. Absolutely. But the simple fact is the main story when it comes to free-to-air television is what is Martha watching on a Monday night at 7.30? It's not what she caught up on. Is that really what we're interested in? Yes. Is it a, what, what, what everyone's watching, and it might be in the next few days or whatever, but, I mean, a classic example is going to be Love Island Australia. That is going to rate... 200,000, 300,000 on the main channel um, at mm-hmm. 8.30. I guarantee there has before. However, let me tell you, Channel 9 are going to get huge figures um, in total. They're going to get not Which is 30, great. 40%. numbers will be through the roof because they have been before. That's a Yeah, they're going to be 100%, 120% increases. And that's a, second, that's a second story, though. That doesn't negate the first story that the ratings are crap in the first airing. If they get those ratings, that's a crap result, right? They then get the second story that, yeah, you know what? We don't get the ratings we want on the first airing. We knew that going in, but we're getting all this catch-up. That is a that is a legitimate story, and it's a secondary story. But for me, as a consumer, as someone who loves watching the industry and seeing what happens, the overnight ratings hold a big place, and maybe that makes me a dinosaur. But I think there's validity in knowing what people watched last night and then a secondary story in what they then chose to watch when in, in the catch-up scenario. Okay, and while we're talking ratings, a bit of a follow-up to a discussion we had last week. We were talking about The Masked Singer and how the coding of the show has the main show and the revealed section, and that revealed section is always significantly higher. Aaron made the point you can't just take those two figures and divide by two to get the average, and TV executives have confirmed he is right. The average of a show is calculated minute by minute, and all those figures are averaged out. Unfortunately for us, we usually only have access to those two figures, so we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Now, this isn't just a Channel 10 thing, guys. All networks do it, as we know. And while researching this, I did confirm that the minimum time a show can be coded separately is 10 minutes. So, Aaron, 
How do we report this going forward? Do we ignore the figure, the revealed figure altogether, which is the figure networks are hoping will generate headlines off the back of our conversation of overnight um, reporting? Um, I think we, we say that all networks do it. I actually don't see it that often. Now, I do know, obviously... The Voice, they, Winner Revealed, The Block. The Mask uh, Singer, three nights a week. Well, hang on. So I, I was just going to finish my point. So just about all networks <laughs> do it with, with their actual finales and sometimes their launch episodes. But there's not actually too many examples. I had to look back through where every single episode, they actually split the code throughout the season. Obviously, mm. like MasterChef, they do for the final episode right at yeah, the end. that's 10 again. Um, so hang on. I mean, actually, I think you're right. Um, the block doesn't have that me- mechanism to no, always... mo- most of them actually don't. It's just the big finales where they do the, the, the big winner or, you know, Australian Idol, the big winner, you know, three million viewers, which they used to do. But only I've only seen this, you know, in recent times, especially with um, Channel 9 did it with Celebrity Apprentice um, and 10 A boardroom, yep, yep, yep. With a, yeah, with yep. a boardroom section. So they don't normally do this. I mean, what do you do moving forward? I think you just have to supply the figures that 10 are supplying. And we know they're doing it for a reason because... You know, they just want to show that biggest figure for the, for the reveal, but it's probably obviously not a good idea to use uh, a false figure then to divide by two and then just get a, get out an average that's not correct because the figures that ten and nine did supply with um, Celebrity Apprentice were correct. They just shouldn't be supplying those figures. I don't think they should just be supplying the one figure for normal episodes. I mean, probably game game on for the finale maybe, but um, just to light it up for a second, it's not the networks that are supplying it. It's Oz Ten that are supplying it because the networks choose to split code the programs. That's where our problem starts. If as an example, as we're currently running, The Block doesn't, SAS Australia doesn't, but The Mask Singer does. If 10 chose to not split code, we would see the whole show averaged minute by minute to give us what yeah, the course. show average is compared to The Block compared to SAS Australia. That's the level playing field that we need to, that we want to report on. Yeah, that, that's 100% correct. But OzTam only report, I spoke to OzTam, they only report on what the networks want. So... Yeah. Um, Channel 10 can actually divide the Masked Singer up into five different sections if they oh, want yeah, no, to. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, they can split it into 17 so, bits. Yeah, that's correct. So Oztam then only report what they want the network, you know, to report in, in those figures. So, I mean, that's all you get. But like you say, Channel 10 shouldn't shouldn't be doing it. They should just be – it should just be one figure for the show. Um, yeah, and I'm just then, making it clear that Channel 10 don't give us the numbers or 7 or 9. Oztam give us the numbers – they yeah, make they, the decision to split code yeah. at which Oztem deliver. I think that's semantics, Mog. They're making that decision to go for the higher figure. Yes, the figures are officially supplied by Oztem. That's not the issue here. The issue no, no, is I acknowledge, the... but it's Oztem is all we have. They're the, they're the umpire. All right, I'll accept. I'll take that as a comment. All right, now it's time to find out what everyone's been watching as we open the TV binge box. And it turns out a lot of people are watching Squid Game on Netflix. In fact, it looks set to become the biggest title ever on the streaming platform. The news comes as Netflix reveals its biggest titles based on viewing data on the first 28 days of release. Currently, Bridgerton is number one with 82 million views, followed by Lupin Part 1 and The Witcher Season 1. Important to know, two minutes is counted as a view. Now, look, it's too early to rank Squid Game, but Netflix say it could 
take the top spot from Bridgerton. I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, it has made my list this week. Sarah, what's on your list? Is Squid Game one of them? I've never even heard of it. Um, <laughs> terrible. Uh, no, I've been no, uh, no, busy. Can this- I just say, it's a Korean show, right? Oh, okay. It's a Korean show. That is the number one show on Netflix at the moment. I saw it trending at number one and I went, what the hell is this? My daughter had heard of it through TikTok. And so I went, okay, I'll take a look. I started watching it with the overdubbing. Oh, you're, you're, you know, like speaking English over the dub of the Korean mouse. It was terrible. Then I went to the Korean language version and watched it with subtitles. So much more enjoyable. The overdub version, those actors are doing voiceovers for a reason. They're shit. But... You and they it just felt like bad acting when you see it with the Korean voice, the acting's so much better, believable, and you read the subtitles. That's just my one little takeaway, but it's such a good show, so bloody good, and I'm addicted. But Sarah, what else are you watching? Um, we finished Nine Perfect Strangers, um, which I thought the whole show was good, but I I didn't like the last episode. It was just, uh, it was a very American, happy ending, boring, bland, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Where did you watch the, that on, Sarah? I think it was on Amazon. Um, and that's pretty much, I think we've watched some other sporadic stuff, but I want to say that was the only, like, thing that I remember. So everything else must have been pretty crap. <laughs> Aaron, what have you been watching? Uh, continuing to watch American Horror Story, it was the finale. They're doing a double feature, so two seasons in one sort of thing. So that was the end of the first part. So that was really good, and that was on Binge. Fires uh, episode one was a great opener, but the second episode, which is coming this Sunday with Richard Roxburgh and Miranda Otto, is heartbreaking. A great story. That's on the ABC. Uh, Mog mentioned last week about American Rust, so I watched that one. So, so, so good. I watch a screener, but I believe it's on Paramount Plus. Um, Mars Singer, I'm still going on with that one. It's, it said it was a three week event, but it's a four week event, so I don't know what happened there. But the Carl um, Sanderland's reveal was amazing. Yeah. That was just such great TV. Yeah, absolutely got Jackie O. Um, that was awesome. And I said that they hardly get any big celebrities, and then Macy Gray yeah. took. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she was famous for about a year, but I will count that as being a, a real celebrity. No, hang wow. on. No. Hey, about a year. That's, name, that's legitimate. I, I'm name, name three with songs that. that Macy Gray sang. That um, one, the other one, and the third one. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, <laughs> she sings with that voice. I don't yeah, know. That, that voice lady. It's like Tony Child. She's got a good voice, but you, you can't remember no, what the song is. You are. know what? I was impressed with it. I thought that was no, no. Great I'm saying I'm, you, I'm they've had some great people. Yeah, I'm definitely counting that one because I did say it was you know George Columbaris and that. But yeah, Macy Gray. I wasn't expecting that one, so that was uh, awesome. Um, and the last one because I gave this one a bit of a a panning the cheap seats because they really needed to work on that show. Is it? Still I must going? say I haven't watched since episode three. I must say biggest improver of the year. Um, it's much, much better now. They've really got their groove together. And the, the episode that just aired on uh, Tuesday night with Dave Hughes was uh, one of the guests. Hilarious. I actually loved the whole hour of that. So well done to the cheap seats because it's uh, getting better. It's great to see Melanie Bracewell and Tom Gleisner Jr. stepping up. 
I've got to say, uh, as I mentioned, I've been watching Squid Game and I really, really recommend it. But do it with the Korean uh, audio and English subtitles. I'm still loving the Goldbergs. Oh, my God, I'm on season three of that. And I, 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 I will slow down my binging of it because they're like season nine's just come out or something like that. But... You know, it probably can be a bit too much after three seasons. I'm a bit going, oh, okay. You know that Grandpa dies. Well, George Siegel died, so he has to die. It's <laughs> not a spoiler, Rob. He's dead. <laughs> you just don't need to say that. I hadn't thought about it, so it would oh my have God. still been a shock to me when it happened. Well, it'll still be a shock to, to you because it takes things. you 10, 10 years to watch a season. Yeah, well... It's how it is. Don't mention it. Uh, I've been watching The Circle and I've got to say the shine has come off The Circle. It was one of my favourite reality TV programs, but I think this season has been cast wrong. It's not as engaging. The last episode that I watched has been a little bit better, but it didn't get off to a good start. Doctor Who, I've been watching on BritBox and a bit of the Sixth Doctor action, and uh, that's really been it for me, Mulky. Let's rev up your list. Um, what, what's the what was the movie that had the like the infamous like it's black and white shower scene with the stabbing Psycho. and the things? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't get over. it. Watched it the other day. Don't the you pers- dare! Don't you dare! I just think you want to go and talk spoilers. Go into a forum, knock yourself out. Do not talk about spoilers where people can't make the choice whether they want to consume them. I think hey, that's spoilers. a pretty reasonable rule, isn't it? Spoilers, the film's really old. It doesn't matter. Somebody could go and watch Psycho today, still be shocked by what happens in it, and still enjoy it immensely. They don't need to go in knowing what happens. He was dead the whole time. Um, I've been enjoying <laughs> uh, Reservation Dogs, which is now finished up but available on Binge and Fox Showcase. Uh, this is delightful from um, Taika Waititi, uh, an almost, well, an entirely uh, Native American cast and almost entirely crew. It's so fun. It's It's been really, really great. Um, I have absolutely devoured Vigil, which has been on Binge and Foxtel On Demand. Six episodes. If you love Line of Duty, you will love Vigil. It is so, so good. Spoilers, the submarine did it. Um, oh, and I hope it didn't. <laughs> Jesus, Rob. Uh, and the granddaddy of them all, Survivor, American Survivor, is back for season 41 on Thursday nights on Nine Go and... There was this weird intro that Probes did that was kind of basically responding to controversies of the past couple of seasons, um, but it's great to have the show back. Three tribes, six on a tribe. There is no. nowhere to hide. Loving it. Thank you, Mark. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box for another week. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest news and exclusive stories, and don't forget to vote in the boxies. They're coming your way, and we need your help to determine the winner of each category. I'm Rob McKnight. I've been joined by Aaron Ryan, Sarah Monaghan, and Mulkey. We'll see you next week. Vote on the boxies. Bye. I have split my coding. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.